Well, a couple weeks ago, my family went on a cruise to Mexico. It was my first trip to take uh, like that. I'd never been on a cruise before. It was a, a short cruise with our family and some friends. And so we had two stops, and our first stop was in Cozumel. And so we get off the boat. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise. It was a long kind of day and a half just being on a ship. And so we were excited to get off in Cozumel, and we had paid to go to a beach. I don't know if you've ever done a cruise, but it was one of those beaches that we'd be able to eat all day, all kinds of toys and things to play with. And so we were excited, so we found our taxi. We paid our $40 to get to this beach, and we get to the beach, and we get into the ocean, and it's a great time. And then the kids decide, if you're a parent, you know how this happens often, they decide they want to go to the pool. They enjoy the beach for a few moments, but they want to go to the pool. And so we make our way to this pool on the beach site. And in this pool, there are tables. There's these concrete round tables around the outside of the pool. And so my son, Cade, who is eight, he always wants his goggles and he's always underwater. And so Cade is swimming around underwater and he finds himself under one of these concrete tables. But Cade doesn't know he's under one of these concrete tables. And so Cade runs out of breath, and in that moment, he shoots up out of the water, and he hits his head on the edge of this concrete table. And it's one of those so loud, you can hear it, and so I'm next to him, and so I just immediately grab him and hold on to him. And it's one of those, if you're a parent or if you've been around kids, it's one of those cries so hard that you're not sure they're breathing kind of cries. And so I'm holding him as tight as I can, and then all of a sudden someone says, oh, Kyle, there's blood. And so blood is pouring down the side of Cade's head in a pool in Mexico. And so uh, we immediately get out of the water. And it's one of those moments as a dad where I felt completely helpless. Um, I knew that there was going to be a language barrier. Um, I, I've, I've heard things about Mexican hospitals. I'm sure they're fine, but I've heard things about Mexican hospitals. I'd never been on a cruise. I don't know what next steps to take. And so I just get out of the water, and these two medics come over who didn't speak much English, um, but they come over to Cade and were great. They were great. They, they doctored up, and they wrap his head. And here's a, a picture of Cade. This was just moments after, uh, after this. And, and i got to be honest. I mean, these are going to be great memories down the road, but i got to be honest. i got to be honest. In this moment, as it happens, I was extremely selfish. I begin to think about how much we paid to be at this beach, uh, how much it cost just to get there and get back. I had planned on eating tacos all day, and so there was just a lot going through my head. But, but ultimately, it came down to the, the question of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. My, my, both my kids have had stitches, and so I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, okay, these definitely need stitches. And so one of the kind of the, the managers of this beach comes over and, and is great, just helping me and helping Cade. And he said, you, you have two options. You can go to the Mexican hospital that um, is close, or you can go back to the boat. And it was in this moment, I really didn't know what to do. How, how bad is it? Do I need to get to a hospital as soon as possible? Is it okay for me to wait and get back on the boat? Is the boat even going to be able to do stitches, right? So everything just begins to run through my head. But all I knew was I needed someone to help me. I kind of needed someone to point me in the right direction. And, and finally, one of the managers just said, look, I, I think he's, he's going to be fine. Enjoy your day here. He's got so many hours before he's going to need to be seen. And just get back on the boat. And so I listened to him. I ate lots of tacos that day. Cade uh, eventually had a smile on his face, and everything worked out. We get back on the boat. Uh, luckily, he ended up just having it glued shut. 
uh, they, they said, you could do stitches or you can glue it. And I said, well, Kate said, let's glue it. And so he ends up, he ends up gluing it. But it was one of those moments where you feel helpless. You just feel helpless. And, and there's people around, but not necessarily the people who can always help. And I, and I needed someone to come along and say, hey, here's what you should, should do. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you're in a moment where you're like, I just don't know what to do. And, and I need help. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like uh, you've tried to accomplish something on your own, but you've realized you just can't do it on your own? And, and really, the, the difficult question, is it hard for you to recognize that you, you actually need help sometimes? Like that you need someone to come alongside of you and, and help you. We're going to read a story today about uh, a guy who is finding himself in that place, where he's completely helpless and hopeless, that he's overlooked especially in his need, uh, but understood in his situation that he needed help. And something happens when he has this encounter with Jesus. The story also reminds me of something that happened in China in 2011. Maybe you heard this story where the two-year-old little girl, Yu Yu, uh, was run over not by just one car, but two cars. Uh, And it was caught on video. And after she was run over, there were 18 people who walked by or walked over Yu Yu. Uh, eventually, someone who was described as a rubbish scavenger comes along and helps UU or attempts to help UU. Unfortunately, UU uh, lost her life that day. But, but the interesting thing of that story is that that was kind of a picture of uh, China and how they view young girls, right? And for them, they were overlooked, they were forgotten, they had no voice or no worth, and they were seen as disposable. So for this young girl, Yu at two, who has a great need, uh, no one would come alongside of her to, to help. And so f- think about that, a present day moment, and then listen to what happens in Mark 10. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. We'd love for you to have that. There's a red Bible. Uh, that's our gift to you. The page number on the screen will be for that Bible. But it's going to be found in what's called the Gospel of Mark. Uh, this is an account of Jesus's uh, life, his interactions with people, um, and ultimately his uh, death, his resurrection. Uh, it's found in Mark 10, starting in verse 46. It says this, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him, and the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's making his way and will soon be welcomed into the city. We're going to look at that next week, which is known as Palm Sunday. It's really his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which is going to lead us to Good Friday, where he is uh, nailed to a cross, and Jesus gives up his 
life, and then Sunday we'll celebrate Easter and the fact that Jesus three days later comes back. This is a big week for Jesus. That's probably an understatement. Uh, There is a lot that's going on in the mind of Jesus. Um, we, We saw two weeks ago he's anointed by a woman who knows what's about to happen Uh, Jesus knows what's in front of him, and he has a lot going on. If Jesus is like me, this might be one of those moments where he's thinking, just don't make eye contact with anyone. If I make eye contact with them, I may have to stop and speak. And when you're busy, that's one of the things maybe that you don't want to do. But in this moment, we see that Jesus acts quite differently than, than what I would. And at this point, there's this large crowd that's gathered around Jesus. Jesus has his close disciples who are walking with him, but the crowds have begun to grow. Uh, People have seen what Jesus has done. They've heard the teachings of Jesus, and people just want to be around Jesus. He'd offered a free meals, a few free meals a couple of times, and so people just want to be around him. And so the crowd has grown, and they're on their way out of Jericho, about to walk about 15 miles to Jerusalem. The elevation change is about 3,500 feet, and it would take about eight to nine hours to make this walk for Jesus and the crowd. He's leaving the city, and he has his mind and his heart set towards Jerusalem and what the week is going to look like. But he then encounters Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. And I want to point out a few things in this encounter that I think are important for us as we look at this idea that Jesus is better. Like, we, we, could, we could finish that in a lot of ways, uh, but in this moment, uh, why did Bartimaeus believe that Jesus was better, and what did he have to overcome? So the first thing, if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, Jesus is better than anybody else that had ever come along. For Bartimaeus, Jesus was better than anyone who had passed by him. Can you imagine how many people had passed by Bartimaeus? If Bartimaeus is 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or older, Bartimaeus probably found himself in this place every day his entire life. Bartimaeus would have probably been born blind, and so this was his life. His life was to sit and to beg and to hope that someone would come along who would speak to him or to help him. He probably had something that he would say over and over. Um, He would just repeat it, hoping that someone would hear him. But for this day, there was this buzz that was going on. It was a different day. Uh, He could sense that something special was happening. He probably asked someone, well, what's going on? And that's where we see that he finds out that it's Jesus of Nazareth that's coming along. Now, let me just pause for a second. Um, You may not know this, but we are affiliated with the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, We're a network of churches in our country and literally around the world. Uh, Maybe you haven't read the Bible or know much about the Bible, but at one point, someone makes the statement uh, when they find out where Jesus is from, that he is thought to be the Messiah, uh, the one that they would come and follow. People make the statement, can anything good come from Jesus? Nazareth. See, Nazareth was a place where people kind of overlooked and forgot about those people, and this is where Jesus comes from. And so the church of the Nazarene wants to be those kinds of people, uh, the kind of people who don't overlook others, who don't label people by where they come from or what they look like. And so he hears, Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth that's coming along. And see, Bartimaeus had heard about this Jesus. 
right? Bartimaeus probably heard things that no one knew that he had heard, and he had heard that there had been other people who had been healed of things, that Jesus was doing something. And so Bartimaeus, in his great need, where no one else could help him, he knew that this person, Jesus, who was walking along, was better than anybody else who had come along. And so he cries out, Jesus, son of David. Now, there's some significance in him calling out Jesus, son of David. This was acknowledging what he believed to be true about Jesus, that he just wasn't a guy coming along, but he was a king, and that he was a great king and a king that had been talked about for generations. And so he knows that Jesus is the one who will come and save and come and rescue. And so he doesn't just call out Jesus, but he calls out Jesus, son of of David. He knows exactly who is coming along, and it is a king and a king that can make a difference in his life. I don't know what you know about Jesus. I don't know what you believe about Jesus, what you've heard about Jesus, but Jesus is a king who comes to save. No matter who you are or where you've been or how great your need is, Bartimaeus believed that. And I hope at some point you have also. And if not, maybe today. Maybe today is a day where you would believe that Jesus was more than just a good teacher or someone who did great things, but he was a king who was sent on a mission to make a difference in your life, in my life, and in our world. And Bartimaeus believed this. He believed that Jesus was better than anybody else who had ever come along. The second thing, he believed that Jesus is better no matter what others say or do. See, he had spent a large part of his life just begging to survive. I have no idea what this feels like. I can't even fathom what Bartimaeus probably felt like every day. How many days went by where no one spoke to him, where no one touched him, where no one helped him. This was the life of Bartimaeus. He had spent a majority of his life overlooked and forgotten and told to be quiet. He had been an outsider. He had been marginalized. He had been labeled as insignificant and unimportant, maybe even a nuisance. I'm wondering how many times someone tried to relocate Bartimaeus. Uh, Several years ago, I had taken students to Nashville on a mission trip, um, and it was the same time as the Country Music Awards. And I had been in Nashville time after time, and there is a large homeless population in Nashville. And so we took our students into Nashville to serve the needs of our street friends. And so we go into Nashville and we literally could not find anyone. And so we begin to ask what was going on. And we heard that the homeless people were giving tickets on a bus to get out of the city. That way, the important people who were coming into town, those who were there for the country music awards would not be disturbed, that they wouldn't be a nuisance. This is Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus would have, people would have just rather got rid of him than to to have helped him. And so as he begins to cry out for Jesus, there's a response from those around him. He was rebuked and told sternly to be quiet. See, there were those in the crowd that had an opinion about Bartimaeus. Some believed Bartimaeus was in his condition because of his responsibilities, his choices, or his parents' choices. His blindness was a punishment, and that punishment separated himself from the rest of the crowd. That they believed Bartimaeus didn't have access to the temple. They didn't ha- he didn't have access to God. And so being thought of as an outsider, he had no right to call out to Jesus. 
See, what had happened for them and what often happens for us is there was a line that was drawn in the sand. And, and there were those who had access to Jesus and could be a part of the crowd and be near to Jesus. And then there were those people, and Bartimaeus was one of those people. He, he didn't belong near to Jesus. And so they didn't think he had access. And so their faith was in religion. Their faith was in this idea that I could prove myself worthy to be near Jesus, that I could do enough good things, that I could appear to be right and be close to Jesus. And some were in and some were out, and Bartimaeus was out. Now, I think if we aren't careful, we can do this, that, that we can also draw a line in the sand. And, and we want to be on the side that has access to Jesus. Maybe we have our own issues, but maybe no one knows about our issues. And so we think that we have direct access to Jesus. But then there's those other people who are on the other side of the line that maybe make different choices than you make, who have certain lifestyles that you don't agree with, or their culture is not something you understand, or their faith system. And so we draw these lines, and we have this feeling that maybe... If they could just change a few things, then they could have access to Jesus. And so we, we draw this line in the sand. We can easily do that. We can easily believe for ourselves that it's about religion, that as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, then I have access to God. But, but we're not really after religion. Uh, we understand that it's about this relationship with a God who loves us, who knows us, say this often, who knows you fully and loves you completely. And so we draw these, these lines and we tend to separate people and we feel maybe even uncomfortable when there's someone that we don't agree with who wants to have access to Jesus and we don't know what to do with it. And so we've drawn these lines in the sand. This uh, Episcopal uh, American priest, her name's Barbara Brown Taylor, uh, she said this, the only clear line I draw these days is this, when my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor. Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. And so when you sense something, when you sense that you have drawn a line, that you begin to separate people into insiders and outsiders, I just want to encourage you, would you step across the line? Would you join those who are overlooked, who are seen as outsiders, who maybe you feel like can't belong? Would you, would you step over the line? I love that line. Jesus never says to love your religion but to love your neighbor. And so we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best to, one, get rid of the line. But when we find ourselves in a situation where there is a line, would you, would you always cross the line? Whether it's social media, in your job, with your literal neighbor, would you, would you just cross the line? And for these people, they weren't willing to cross the line. What they did is they kept Bartimaeus down on his side. They tried to silence him and to keep him from getting to Jesus. And so you may be someone who feels like you're on the other side of the line. Maybe your past history, some choices that have happened, where you grew up, how you grew up, things that you've struggled with. Maybe you feel like you are an outsider. Let me just encourage you today that you're not. And, and even if you were, and maybe we're all outsiders. And the truth is that that's who Jesus goes to. Jesus goes to the outsiders. He spends time with 
the outsiders. And so maybe you find yourself in that place. Would you just know the truth about Jesus? And we see what happens with Jesus and Bartimaeus. And so I wonder what we would have done or how we would have responded. And what Bartimaeus cries out for is mercy. He cries out that the son of David, Jesus, would be merciful on him. He is pleading with Jesus first to just see him. Jesus, would you just see me? Would you be kind to me? Would you have compassion towards me? And he would not let others who would speak about him or believe certain things about him, Bartimaeus would not allow them to keep him from Jesus. And so we we must not allow ourselves to let anyone keep us from coming to God. And we must do our best to not keep anyone else. See, he believed Jesus was better than any hindrances that were in his way. This is what I believe about mercy, uh, about the things that God gives us um, that we don't deserve and the grace that he gives us and the love that he gives us. I think the level to which we have believed God has shown us mercy is the level we will be able to extend mercy to other people. If you know you have been deeply loved by God, no matter where you've been or what you've been through, it is much easier to love your neighbor. If you understand the mercy God has given you, it is much easier to extend mercy to the people around you. The response of these people who had heard about Jesus, this is what uh, kind of floors me, is these people had watched and they had heard who Jesus was. They had a moment to help Bartimaeus get to Jesus. Right? They had a moment when they hear Bartimaeus call out to Jesus. What if there would have been a couple of them who would have said, here, Bartimaeus, let's help you get to Jesus. But, but the response is to silence him. And then verse 49, I love the short scriptures that we find in the, in the Bible that are significant. It just says Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Uh, theologian and author uh, Daniel Aiken says that Jesus taught his disciples the art of stopping. As you read the scriptures, there's a lot of times where Jesus is in a hurry and he's busy and someone interrupts him. And Jesus stops to pay attention. Uh, he stops when a woman comes up and touches him and she's healed. And he's in the midst of the crowd. He stops and he finds the woman and he sees the woman. She's already been healed, but he sees her and begins to know who she is. And in this moment, Jesus stops. He, cre- he hears the cry for help, and in the midst of the crowd, and heading towards Jerusalem, and in this busy week, he's allowing himself to be interrupted. And in being interrupted, he makes a difference in this one guy's life. See, the difference between Jesus and others, see, he was probably noticed often. Many people overlooked him. Uh, but these people noticed Bartimaeus, and they scorned him, and they told him to be quiet. Jesus sees him and loves him and pays attention to him. And not only that, but he calls for him. So this, this is a great part because those who were silencing him, Jesus now says, hey, you, you need to go get Bartimaeus. I promise it would have gone much better if they would have just gone before Jesus had to tell them uh, to go get him. But, but Jesus says, hey, go call him. Uh, call him to come to me. And so those who are getting in the way of Bartimaeus getting to Jesus are now the ones who go get Bartimaeus and bring him to Jesus. And they call to him, cheer up, right? There's this feeling of, okay, he's, he's heard your cries. Uh, on your feet, he's calling you. 
And this is where I think we see the third truth and what he believes, uh, Bartimaeus believes, is that Jesus is better and he would put his faith in him. See, Bartimaeus was helpless and hopeless and he understood his need, that he had to allow someone else to do something that he was unable to do. And as I said earlier, we can assume that he's been blind his entire life and in an early age, he would have understood his place in society, that he was on the bottom. He would have had to look out for himself, that, that he may have even been sent out by his family, and so he was on his own. But Bartimaeus, when Jesus calls for him, he expects a transformation. He believes that something is going to happen. He believed in this moment he would be healed, and he made no other plans. Are you the kind of person who has a backup plan, that, that you think that maybe God is going to do something, but you kind of have these what ifs, well, what if he doesn't? And so we begin to kind of like find other ways to find security and meaning and identity. We hold on to those things. We believe that God's going to do something, but we kind of hold on to our past in a way. Well, in this moment, we see that Bartimaeus doesn't do this. Verse 50 says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, uh, I'm not blind. I've never been blind, but I can imagine as a blind person, you would want to keep your stuff near to you, right? And it wasn't just a cloak. Uh, A cloak would have been this large robe uh, that he would have used as security. Uh, It would have been a source of shelter. Uh, It could have even be used as a source of comfort to lay on. Uh, Theologians say that if you were a beggar, you would often take off your cloak And you would fold it up and place it before you. And that's what people would put money in. This cloak was significant to Bartimaeus. And when Jesus calls for him in that moment, Bartimaeus believes, I don't don't need the cloak anymore. And so he takes his cloak off and he throws his cloak to the side, thinking, I'm not going to have to go back to it. And if I do, I'm going to be able to find it because I believe and know that Jesus is going to heal me and make me whole. And so Jesus has come, he throws it off, and he gets to him. Uh, earlier, we, we see an encounter where Jesus is spending time with a rich man, and, and he makes this request to the rich man to go and sell everything and come and follow Jesus. And the rich man is unable to do it. But for Barnabas, he believes that it's his only hope. His only hope is to go to Jesus, and he's willing to get rid of everything to get to him. And so the question we wrestle with is, do we really believe do we really believe that God can change our lives? That our futures can look different? That our past don't have to determine where we're headed? That we believe that God can heal us and make us whole? That he can restore us? And if he's going to do that, we don't have to hold on to things. We don't have to find other things to find our security or our hope or our meaning or our significance. That we can walk away from those things believing that Jesus will say, will do what he says he will do. And so in verse 51, we see Jesus ask the same question he had asked his two disciples just earlier, James and John, what do you want me to do for you? What do you you want me to do for you, Bartimaeus? And Bartimaeus answers, I want to see. I want to see. And in that moment, he is healed, and Jesus does what is asked of him. And I think my response in this situation, I, I would want to go show everyone. I want to go find the people who overlooked me. I want to go show them what Jesus has done in my life. 
I want to go tell those people what I really think about those uh, people. That, that would be my, just being honest, that would be my initial response. But not Bartimaeus. See, the fourth thing I think we learn here is that Jesus is better than simply being healed. See, Bartimaeus got what he needed. He got what he needed. He's, he's blind. He asked Jesus to heal him. Jesus heals him, and that could have been it. But we see in verse 52, it says that he followed Jesus along the road. That Bartimaeus didn't just want something from Jesus. Bartimaeus wanted Jesus. He, he didn't want to just be healed by Jesus. He wanted to be near to Jesus. He didn't want to know about Jesus. He wanted to know Jesus. And I think Bartimaeus knew where Jesus was headed. And Bartimaeus wanted to be with him. And so it says that he follows him along the road. See, the danger of Christianity, the danger of being a, a Christian, is to only want things from Jesus, to only want things from God. And that being in God's presence to gather together to worship kind of takes a back seat. And one of the things that happens, and I, I, can, I can see this in, in the lives of the people that I'm with, when we request something of Jesus, when we ask something of Jesus and we don't get it, how quickly do we turn to something else? And so we have to wrestle with this thought, is, is it about Jesus or is it just about getting something from him? Do I just want to be near to him and follow him no matter what happens? Because Bartimaeus finds himself at a place where he just wants to follow Jesus. And he believed that Jesus was better than religion, of just performing right, that Jesus was better than anything else he could ever find. And he wanted to be with him. And so I want to challenge you this morning and just ask you that question there. What, what, do you, what do you need Jesus to do for you? What, what do you need from him? And here's where you have to begin to not just wonder, well, what could he give me? But ultimately, what we need from Jesus is Jesus. We need his presence in our life. I, I know that there's many of you who recently have been through some of the most difficult things in your life. What, what you need from God is his presence. The affirmation that you're not alone and that you're loved. What do you need? Is it healing? Is there a physical healing that you need and you'll continue to plead God, uh, to God for? Right, I was uh, meeting with a good friend uh, this week and we were talking about healing and how healing doesn't always come as we want it to come. And healing can be this battle where we continually pray and you continue to fight and you pray for God to heal you. And sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. And I wish I could tell you why he does and why he doesn't, but I can't. But it's this ongoing prayer that we have with God that he would heal us. But can I just encourage you that in the midst of that, God is near to you and healing will come one day. I don't say that lightly. Uh, we put our hope not in this world and what happens here. Uh, we believe that every person who believes in the love of God and the grace of God will be fully restored and fully healed. And so as we're here and we're alive, we will pray and we will ask for healing. And this is what Bartimaeus asks for and he receives but for many of us, it may not come that quickly. But we will choose to daily pray for it and ask God to give it. And if he does, we will rejoice and we will celebrate. And if he doesn't, Jesus is enough. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was better than just being healed. But what do you need from God? 
And so our response will be that we'll worship God, not simply what he could do for us. We'll worship because of his great love for us, and we'll worship because we believe he is God and he deserves it. That it's not about us. And Bartimaeus believed this. So I want to leave you with a few what-if questions. This will go uh, quickly. Uh, What if you could believe that Jesus is better than anything else the world has to offer? That how would your life be impacted? How would your heart and your mind look different? How would it impact how you see money and your job and the gifts that God has given you if you believe that Jesus was better than anything else the world has to offer? Or the second, what if you've been drawing lines? What, what if in your heart and your mind you've been drawing lines of who's in and who's out in the eyes of God? How, how could things look different for you? How could you begin to love your neighbor no matter who that neighbor is? The third, what if you believe that Jesus is better than anybody that may attempt to get in your way and cause you to live in doubt or wonder? That you'll persevere through any hindrances that would keep you from God? Four, what if you could put all your faith in him and believe that he hears your cries and that he'll listen? And finally, what if you believe that Jesus is better than simply getting something you want and that he's enough? Greg's going to come and and close us out with our final song. Would you stand as I pray for us? As I pray, if you are here and maybe there hasn't been a moment in your life where you have believed that God is enough, that God sees you and he knows you and he loves you and he extends mercy to you, maybe today would be a day to do that. That just between you and him, you would believe that in your heart, that you would speak it in your mind, that you would begin to ask God for that mercy and forgiveness and believe that today he would give it to you. I believe that completely. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for a good day. Thanks for a chance to turn our attention to you and to worship you. Would you help us to believe, God, that Jesus is better? That when other things get in the way, when we believe in other things to give us our meaning and identity and security and comfort, that we would believe that you are better than any of those things. And then, God, would you really begin to do something in our lives that we would fight against any lines that are drawn, that your kingdom is available to everyone? God, would you help us to be bold and to have courage? Would you help us to walk across the lines when they are there and to join those who are seen as outsiders and who don't belong? God, would you help us to do that? And God, would you help us to follow you Would you help us not to just be after what you could give us or do for us, but that you would be enough for us. I pray in Jesus' name.